0: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss. Welcome to the help desk for Tuesday, the twenty-fourth of November. Sorry, there was no help desk yesterday, Tess, but I had a, a sick little girl on my hands that I had to look after.
1: Completely understandable, and uh, the good news is that we've already uh, we're very well prepared for today's show.
0: Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, not a lot happened overnight, so uh, a lot of the stories were already pre written. But uh, the first one is a bit of a sad one, Tess.
1: Yeah, so one we picked up yesterday uh, is that an Uber Eats rider died in hospital uh, on Saturday after he was hit by a car in Sydney while completing a delivery. Overnight, another Uber rider was killed in Redfern, which was the fifth food delivery death in just two months. So the death have sparked an outpouring of grief from fellow riders and calls for more protective equipment and better insurance from the sector's union.
0: Yeah, I, I read that they uh, that Uber Eats specifically offers insurance uh, at, a, at about 150 a month, I think it is, but not a lot of coverage there in terms of, there, there is a little bit of coverage for sick leave, but not so much for uh, death on the job, which is, in most organisations, uh, something that you are definitely insured for.
1: Yeah. And there's also been a few comments on Twitter as well around the, how well Uber's mapping system works for bikes, you know, cases of bike riders being sent by tunnels, things like that, which does not exactly bode well for for safety.
0: Mm, Yeah. Uber's official response was that it is, you know, dangerous out there if you're on a bike on the roads, Regardless, and and that is true to an extent. I, I remember when I had an uh, an e bike in Sydney, I was terrified. I was terrified, especially the the commute I did had me passing through a lot of industrial areas, and I I just gave up on it because it was too scary. And and uh, since moving to Melbourne, there's a lot more bike paths, like official bike paths that are nowhere near roads, uh, and I feel a lot more comfortable down here. So it's true that. You know, it's it's always going to be dangerous on Sydney roads, specifically, on a bike. But then there's so much more that uh, the union specifically is saying that Uber could do in terms of road safety, and also, you know, raising the the payment options for drivers so that they're not kind of running around and and trying to, you know, get to as many places as possible, get as many deliveries in an hour as possible. That is considered to be one of the big stresses that is leading to so many deaths.
1: Mm, And I have also ridden a bike and driven a car in Sydney and both can be terrifying, uh, especially, I guess, driving at night and at peak food delivery time it is mm. quite hairy in some situations where you've got riders left and right can be very tricky to navigate.
0: Yeah so I think that there is more to be said than just it's dangerous out there for bike riders. There is clearly an issue going on here and if you know if, if this many truck drivers were being injured every day on the way to Woolworths for instance then um, then Someone would be looking into the union there, which is much, much stronger, <laughs> would be looking into what kind of pressures the drivers are under and what could be done. Uh, and I, th- I think Uber needs to do the same and all uh, food delivery services, we should say. Moving on, we have another apology from Facebook. This time, Facebook has said sorry to Australian advertisers for miscalculating metrics such as how many people clicked on an ad or how many users prefer one advertiser over another. The social media giant is giving free credits to multiple local advertisers to make up for the stuff up. Zoe Semios reports, a Facebook spokeswoman claimed that it has affected just 0.1% of the local advertising market, but multiple industry sources (laughs) say that that number of companies across the large advertising agencies were affected. The incident casts further doubts over the accuracy of the way Facebook measures its own performance.
1: Yeah, so the criticism here, and it's not a new criticism, is that Facebook should not be allowed to mark its own homework, and they have made moves to bring in some third-party verification services, but you would expect that the data coming out of their own platform would be a little more accurate, and all of this matters because businesses make really big, important decisions based on what they're seeing or the results that they're seeing from Facebook.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We saw a couple of years ago that every media company on the planet pivoted to video because Facebook were were telling all media companies that they were getting amazing, like unheard of video responses on their platform. And then when they broke down the numbers, first of all, the numbers were inaccurate, which is... Remarkable considering that Facebook is a data driven company. They don't seem to make mistakes on stuff that matters to them. When the numbers uh, were audited, it turns out that they were vastly overestimating the number of video views on their platform. And not only that, the video views that they were counting that were accurate were video views of more than two seconds with sound off. So you could be, you know, scrolling through your feed and the time it took you to scroll past a video would be considered a view.
1: Yeah, uh, that viewability debate and what what constitute uh, a view or, you know, if something's been seen by a real human is uh, something that the industry has taken longer than you would expect to work out and agree upon uh, a standard metric. Moving on to France, uh, which is delaying Black Friday. So the giant sale is scheduled for Friday the 27th of November and by now you've probably received some marketing emails in your inbox, but the French will have to wait a little bit longer to indulge in the festive consumerism. The New York Times reports the French government declared it was postponing Black Friday as it moved to quell a nationwide rebellion by shopkeepers who say that Amazon has been stealing business from them during France's coronavirus lockdown. Amazon has agreed to delay the sale, uh, which is something that it popularized in Europe in the first place. Uh, and that's going to be pushed back by a week to December 4th with planned restrictions uh, which are supposed to be lifting on December the 1st. But Peter, as someone who has uh, just spent a long time in lockdown, that feels optimistic that uh, France <laughs> are, are just <laughs> pegging the first week of December to go Christmas shopping.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm- shocked when i see some of the uh, the lockdown plans from say you know the uk are going into lockdown but they've taken 2 weeks off for christmas like that's not how a lockdown works that's not how we did it in in melbourne and don't get me wrong it wasn't easy but um i'm glad we're on the other end of it
1: so this story really exemplifies how the pandemic has solidified Amazon's dominance in the retail sector, uh, while small businesses that have been forced to close have been just getting crushed, basically. Uh, The thing I guess I really like about this story is that France or a, a regional government or a national government is, you know, dictating terms to Amazon and they are actually following it. One other thing I wanted to say about this story is that these events are made up sales uh, and they can be changed. Um, mm-hmm. And for what it's worth, I would really like to see Australian retailers pick a new name uh, and ditch Black Friday. Just call it five weeks until Christmas or something. Um,
0: <laughs> delivery day. <laughs> you yeah, know, delivery, day. delivery day. Guaranteed delivery day.
1: Yeah, I think uh, leave, the, leave the, the, the black to refer to bushfire events in Australia and uh, to, to remember those and let this be just, I don't know, something else.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And final story for the day, we've got uh, a re- really great story by The Protocol on YouTube's plans to win the music streaming wars. A quote from the article is, not that long ago YouTube was best uh, a frenemy to the music industry. It would gleefully announce the billions it was paying in royalties, only for industry bodies to call it the single biggest threat to the music industry. YouTube music has been hampered by a really confused rollout of tiers and services. For a long time, there was Google Play Music, and then Google Play Music and YouTube Music were kind of the same thing. And, uh, yeah, it's been a total mess in in the kind of way that you would expect only Google could mess things up like this. Like, I, I... Whenever, whenever I've looked over it, I really do think that YouTube music is the better service of all of them, but I still don't use it, even though I know it's the best, uh, just because all my friends are on Spotify and, and then we ended up getting a family Spotify and once the hooks are in you, it's really hard to switch. So, uh, yeah, this is really fascinating to see what kind of services they're trying to add on to YouTube music. So they're talking about, you know, selling concert tickets and, pay per view concerts on YouTube and a whole bunch of other things, and kind of building in it their own version of Patreon to support artists that you love it 's that they seem to be throwing everything at the wall again as only Google services kind of tend to do, uh, but they still have a long way to go. YouTube music currently has thirty million premium paid subscribers and thirty five mil- million overall, and that compares to Spotify on one hundred and thirty eight million paid subscribers with three hundred million overall. And Apple Music is second with $72 million and no free tier.
1: I was surprised that YouTube had a music streaming business. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't get advertised every time you close the app on iOS?
1: No, I don't. I must be uh, clicking the wrong things. Uh, but it, it is interesting. I think those add-on features are potentially very attractive for the music industry, uh, which often complains about the um, amount of money it receives through streaming, and they have had to turn to things like merch, and concerts and tours to really be the the money makers.
0: And you kind of can see their, their impact because when uh, YouTube Music first started performing under that name, uh, you would see Spotify really amp up its kind of video back end and, and you would get those weird little video clips that you would see in portrait mode when, you, when you're playing music mm. on Spotify, all that kind of stuff. That, that that was a response to YouTube Music really going hard on what their key differentiator is, which is video. Yep. Yep. Anyway, that's all we have time for today on the help desk. Thank you, Tess Bennett. Thank you, Peter. And we will speak to you tomorrow (laughs) as long as my kids stay healthy. Thank you. Bye.
1: Bye.